And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast for Tuesday, October 6th. It's Michael Beller here with Brandon Funston. We are going to play a little game of... Does this matter? Looking at things that have happened over the course of the season for some of them, things that just happened in week four, and ask the question on all ten of these things, does this matter? But first, Brandon, how you doing today? Uh, I'm not too bad. It's, uh, you know, it's the beginning of the week. It's always, always, you know, Tuesday is always sort of the optimistic day, right? You're looking yes. ahead and, <laughs> and not complicated by, you know, the, the news of the upcoming week kind of coming about, so... Uh, I'm feeling good. How about yourself? I'm feeling good, too. I guess we can't say that to people who use their first two picks on Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb. But for the rest of us, (laughs) Tuesday is the optimistic day of the week. You know who else we can't say that to, Brandon, actually, is Bill O'Brien. We probably can't try to sell him on the fact that at least this particular Tuesday, October 6th, is the optimistic day of the week. Of course, Bill O'Brien fired by the Houston Texans. Romeo Crennel steps in as the interim head coach. And so let's kick it off right there, Brandon. Does the firing of Bill O'Brien and the elevation on an interim basis of Romeo Crennel matter from a fantasy perspective? I'm having a hard time finding a real good argument to say that this really matters. I, obviously, Romeo Cornell comes from a defensive background. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. I should have had this off the top of the of the show. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the offensive coordinator's name, but I know Bill O'Brien was was taking the play calling away from him, and now it's you know it's just likely to go back to him. And um, sometimes the biggest thing about this is it just it just gets the players untracked for emotional reasons, I guess, is the only thing you can really put your finger on. Uh, But I don't know appreciably if it makes a difference. I think Houston's got some issues on offense. I mean, being without DeAndre Hopkins and having old man Johnson in the backfield and Mm -hmm. some issues on the offensive line. And honestly, watching Deshaun Watson this first month hasn't been playing great. Um, Hasn't, I think, been running enough. And that's a, a huge part of his arsenal that we're not seeing enough of. I think, you know, maybe some of these things kind of get hammered home and it's just a, a mental focus thing. But, uh, you know, as far as just like a sea change, I'm not sure I see one. Yeah, I don't see one either. I didn't want to cut you off, but the OC in Houston is Tim Kelly. And, yes, you know, after the, after the game on Sunday, the first thing we heard was that Bill O'Brien was suddenly going to get more involved in the offense, right? It was right. too much on his plate. Head coach, GM, he's not going to be calling plays as well. Through four games, they go 0-4, and, and that was the first piece of news about this team that Bill O'Brien was going to get more involved with the offense, and it went from that to 24 hours later, he's not involved at all with the franchise anymore. So it just seems like there is, 
you know, so much weird stuff happening with this team. And they were sort of able to hand wave away what happened in the first three weeks of the season because it was admittedly a tough schedule. Houston's not the only team in the NFL that would have started 0-3 had they had to play Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh in its first three games. But the way the offense played against Minnesota really was a red flag. And you said it, right, Deshaun Watson not playing the way that we're used to seeing from him. David Johnson just looks old in that backfield after a strong week one. We have seen almost literally nothing from Brandon Cooks. The one guy on this team who has met or exceeded expectations thus far is Will Fuller, and that could continue. Again, this isn't like uh, where we're going to see some monstrous change because of Bill O'Brien being gone. Maybe there's a shot in the arm. Maybe there was just a sort of a, uh, a dead feeling around the team that can change with a new regime or a partially new regime by elevating Romeo Crennel. But uh, my answer, too, to does this matter? From a fantasy perspective, I am going to say no. Definitely looking like a bad year for the Houston Texans. The next item I would like to get into came from Monday Night Football. We've got another 0-4 team in the Atlanta Falcons. Calvin Ridley going into this game was a Falcon who fantasy managers couldn't have been happier with after what he did the first three weeks of the season. Three 100-yard games, four touchdowns, the number one wide receiver in fantasy leagues going into week four, and then puts up a goose egg. Five targets did not catch any of them. Brandon, does that matter? No. What matters is that, Al that Calvin Ridley has an ankle injury and that Julio Jones has a hamstring injury, and I, I'm drawing a blank on Russell Gage's injury. But, man, what a what a week. a concussion going into the week. Yeah. In hindsight, like, give all three of those receivers the week off. Like, if you know how this is going to play out. But Calvin Ridley did did have a, you know, potential touchdown in his hands. But, uh, honestly, just looking at that whole Atlanta offense, I thought Matt Ryan played like a, a rookie a little bit early on. Like, he was all jittery. He felt like that – the pressure, and then he started sensing pressure. Sometimes it wasn't there. Uh, just had some. He just had sort of an off-looking kind of night. Just didn't seem like he was his usual kind of steady self. I think the physical limitations because of the injuries to Julio Jones, obviously, who didn't come out after halftime, and Calvin Ridley dealing with the ankle injury, and and I think we know that Calvin Ridley benefits from a healthy Julio Jones, uh, mm -hmm. and that he can kind of play off of that. And I think we saw. Last week, Julio Jones down. Calvin Lee got a ton of targets. He ended up with five catches on like 13 targets. It ended up being 100 yards, but it was way less efficient than he normally is. And I think, you know, Julio Jones being healthy, Calvin Ridley being healthy, when you have those two guys in a good place, I think it's just going to be business as usual. So you just write this one off as it is what it is. 63 of those yards in that week three game against the Bears were on one play to Ridley's yeah. first catch. So it wasn't a super efficient game. As you said, and I agree, I don't think this one matters too much. Uh, Calvin Ridley bounces back uh, from this in Week 5. You mentioned the touchdown he had in his hands also on that 20-play drive that Atlanta had early in the game. Uh, he was the first read on that play, and it was like Matt Ryan looked away from him a split second too early because he broke wide open in the back corner of the end zone. Would have been all alone for one of the easiest touchdown catches of his career. So uh, a bad game. Obviously, the zero is uh, is as bad as it gets, and we've seen some hilarious, as long as it's not you, losses related to Calvin Ridley last night. People who needed him to catch literally one pass to win their game, who ended up not winning their games. But as frustrating as that was, remember what he did the first three weeks of the season. Calvin Ridley going to be just fine 
going forward. Let's move on to the Detroit Lions in that backfield that no one seems to want to run away with, or Matt Patricia doesn't want to let anyone run away with. Daryl Bevel, hard to figure out what they're doing there. Here's the snap counts from week four. We had Adrian Peterson get 27 snaps. DeAndre Swift get 23, so trending back in the right direction after a, a two-week sort of absence from that team. And then on Johnson, just 11. When you look at those three numbers, do you think that any of it matters? I think it does matter. It matters in a negative way, right? It's the same. It's the yeah, same. It can deal. matter it's, negatively. Yeah, it matters negatively. It's socialistic. Um, I think the you know, there's there's very limited upside to Adrian Peterson. You know, it's you know even if he gets 20 carries, you're you know in in the best of situations you might get 90 yards, little passing game work. So there's no helium there. And I think the problem for DeAndre Swift is you can see that he might have these weeks where he catches a touchdown and he's involved in the passing game. But do you know definitively going in? Because it's a it's a it's kind of like a baseball hitter who's a home run or nothing. You know, he's gonna get that get that touchdown catch on limited volume or he's going to completely strike out for your fantasy team. And that is a that's risky business, and you would much rather just find someone that you could say, like, you know, like a Justin Jackson coming in with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe he's getting 10 to 12 touches. I'll take that certainty over the maybe five opportunities that DeAndre Swift gets and hoping that he catches a touchdown pass. It's got to, something's got to change, but if we're just going to continue this kind of split snap count stuff, then that's the best you can hope for with DeAndre Swift. It's not worth the downside risk. I totally agree with you. I don't see how you could be really excited about DeAndre Swift uh, at this point. This season, we're talking about a guy who has you know, he has one game with double-digit opportunities, exactly 10. He had five targets and five carries in the Week 2 loss to the Packers. And hey, caught all five of those targets for 60 yards. So if I was trying to find a positive it matters spin for DeAndre Swift, I would say that the snap count was up from where it was in Week 3, and Matt Patricia... This team is 1-3. and three. He's taken a lot of heat, as he should be, and maybe they finally say, we got to try something or we're all going to be out of a job here in Detroit. And so maybe that leads to a little bit more work for DeAndre Swift and a go- growing touch count going forward. But right now, I still feel like DeAndre Swift is a hold. I'm not cutting him out right unless I absolutely have to, but obviously he is closer to an outright cut than he is to starting lineups uh, at this point with what we've seen through four games. Uh, Speaking of another guy who uh, has not done too well through four games this year, it's DJ Moore. Zero touchdowns, just one game with more than 65 yards. And you can't really say that this Carolina offense isn't producing two expectations. And I would say if if you take into account the fact that Christian McCaffrey hasn't been there for two games, it is performing Way above expectations. We saw a big game out of Teddy Bridgewater. This team is surprisingly 2-2. Two and two. Um, uh, Big games out of Mike Davis and his two starts for the team. Robbie Anderson uh, has become a guy who is you know widely rostered now across the fantasy universe after being persona non grata back in uh, draft season. So does the slow start from DJ Moore roundly drafted as a top 15 wide receiver matter? Uh, yeah, it matters. It's weird. I mean, he's... 12 among wide receivers in targets. He's getting eight targets a game. It's a, it's a, it's a nice, 
you know, volume look each week. But if you look at the numbers, the average depth of target, like it's it's very weird that DJ Moore is among the leaders in average depth of target. It's almost double his number of the last couple of years. And that Robbie Anderson is way down in the in the in the, you know, like I think seven yards per target or something right in that range. Like he's doing the DJ Moore kind of work that you would expect. Robbie Anderson came in as like the the vertical threat guy, right? And he's the one getting these getting these drag routes and, and these across the middle routes. And DJ Moore is the guy that's being used as a vertical threat. And DJ Moore is the yards after catch monster. It's bizarre how they're being used. I don't know how to explain that, but as long as that continues to happen then there's just no way you can think that, that DJ Moore is a better fantasy player than Robbie Anderson, and it's going to be hit and miss with DJ Moore because they're using him more in, in deep deep situations than where he kind of, I think, his talent lies, which is short and intermediate, get him the ball, and let him use his yak ability uh, to make to make gains. And it's just been flip-flopped. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if it's going to continue. But it's working for Robbie Anderson. It's not working for DJ Moore. And, and if the coaches care, we'll find out. You know, it makes me kind of wonder if there is something to be said for the fact that this team, that this new regime was so aggressive in going after Robbie Anderson, right? Because those drag yeah. routes, those intermediate routes, that plays more to Teddy Bridgewater's strength. It's part of the reason, at least, why Michael Thomas didn't really skip a beat when the team, uh, when the Saints were without Drew Brees last year, because that's his strength, that's Brees' strength, that's Teddy Bridgewater's strength, and so it all sort of worked together. It makes me wonder if this Panthers team or this Panthers regime views Robbie Anderson as just purely a better receiver than DJ Moore, and so even though deep ball has been his thing, that they want to get him paired up with the quarterback skill set, and so that means making him the guy who is running these drags, these intermediate, these short routes underneath, and pushing DJ Moore into a deep route role. And that would have me a little bit concerned, because if that's really what this is, if this is marrying what we view as our best receiver with what we know our quarterback's strengths are, then maybe things don't turn around for DJ Moore. So that would have me a little bit concerned about him if I invested in him at ADP. Again, a top 15 receiver. You do love seeing the targets, so there's plenty of a foundation for him to turn things around here, but I want to see it happen sooner rather than later. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Brandon, let's get into your neck of the woods up there in the Pacific Northwest. DK Metcalf leading the league 
in receiving yards. There's really no way to poke any holes in what the Seattle passing game has done to this point of the season. Uh, Russell Wilson having a phenomenal year uh, right there in the top of the MVP race. DK Metcalf doing what he does. Tyler Lockett doing what he does. But if you were looking maybe to... Uh, get out ahead of something that could come back and hurt one of these guys. I look at DK Metcalf having just seven targets per game so far this year. That's tied for 33rd in the NFL. He has been highly efficient, and that is something that Russell Wilson receivers are typically able to do. But you would still like to see DK Metcalf more in the 9-10 to 10 target per game range rather than the 7 target per game range where he sits right now. Exactly 7, 28 targets through four games. So, Brandon, does this matter? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, th- I think you just got to accept the fact that high efficiency is a part of this. Russell Wilson, one of the I, I think he's the best deep ball thrower in the game. Um, and he he gets great loft on the ball and allows DK Metcalf to go up and get it. And I don't think there's any any corner in the league that can physically match up with DK Metcalf. So. Metcalf leads the league in average depth of target. He's averaging well over 20 yards a catch. He's getting four catches a game. And at 20 yards a catch, you're getting 80 plus yards every week. Do I think that's going to change, you know, for the most part? Maybe once or twice here and there. But I think for the most part, you can kind of count on those four, you know, high yield catches. And right now, I mean, DK Metcalf's had three drops. I mean, it could be even better than it's been. He's had some, I mean, just very obvious drops, and he can get better at that going forward. And if he does, we could actually see this go up. I think he can live on seven targets per game. It's not ideal. You'd like to get him to eight or nine. But I don't think this is that concerning because I think you can literally count on efficiency from Russell Wilson in this connection to Metcalf. Yeah, just because I'm the one posing the questions doesn't mean that I think these things necessarily matter. And I agree with you. This one does not matter at all. Of course, you would like to see DK Metcalf get nine or 10 targets. But with what Russell Wilson has shown us over his entire career, with what DK Metcalf has shown us uh, this season and even last season, Back when he was a rookie, uh, this is a connection that can thrive on seven targets per game. And I am right there with you. Russell Wilson uh, throws the prettiest, most accurate deep ball in the NFL. And that's not going to change. That's not suddenly going to change here. DK Metcalf isn't suddenly going to become a less effective deep ball receiver. So I am right there on board with you. Seven targets per game. You might want to see it higher, but DKM absolutely can thrive on that number. So feel just fine about him getting those looks. Uh, as long as he's getting those looks, he is going to still be killing it for fantasy managers. Here's someone who I am worried about. I'm just going to come out there and save him before I do <laughs> pose this one that I think this one matters. I would be worried about Zach Ertz if I had him on any teams. Fewer than 70 yards in three out of four games for the Eagles so far this season. Fewer than 20 yards in two games out of four so far, Brandon. I mean, that worries me. That worries me because this is someone who we expected. Part of his allure over the last few years and certainly coming into the 2020 season was that he was unquestionably the number one pass catcher in this offense. And that should lead someone to never have a 20-yard game. Maybe one here or there. Uh, You know, just a bad game plan. Things just don't work out for you. You're a tight end anyways. Maybe that happens. To have two in the first four when all these injuries have been going on in the Philadelphia offense – I would be very worried if I have Zach Ertz on any of my teams, especially considering the opportunity cost and the guys who I passed up to get him. Yeah, I looked it up in the last two seasons, 31 games. He's had two games under 20 yards, and one of them was a Week 17 game. I think it absolutely matters because, you know, injuries, that they were a part of 
Philly's, you know, the Philly experience last year. Like, you look at any game, it's never a bad game. It never sets up bad for Zach Ertz, the kind of player he is. A, an athletic tight end working the middle of the field, when is that not a good thing? Even last year when they had all the injuries, he was still stepping up. So no tight end has logged more snaps than Zach Ertz. And the production in which you would think he should be getting just pilfered with targets and just you know putting up production just because by default because there's nobody else around him uh it's just not happening i think you know you look at him he's 29 years old going to be 30 by the end of the season uh you know it doesn't help that there's not really any obvious playmakers in the passing game around him at the moment but i think he should still be able to rise above doesn't help that this offensive line has been banged up or that carson wentz has you know seemed to take a step back as well i think all these things kind of work against him but I think part of it is also Zach Ertz you gotta kind of consider that he's maybe getting towards the you know the twilight part of his career I don't think he's completely done but he may need more help around him than he used to and that might be playing out right now today is October 6th one month ago September 6th that was the last Sunday of the year before our first full NFL Sunday if October 6th me traveled back in time and visited September 6th you, Brandon, and said, Alshon Jeffrey's not going to play through the first four games. Jalen Rager's going to go on IR after week one. Deshaun Jackson's going to be in and out of the lineup because of injuries, of course. And Dallas Goddard, on top of that, is also going to suffer an injury that has him out for two of the team's first four games. Where would you think Zach Ertz would be receiving yards-wise? Um... Gosh, I would think that he would be averaging about at least 50 yards a game, at least. <laughs> at least. At yeah, least. At yeah. Even that, even if I told you, and he has 200 yards on the season, you would be a little disappointed, right? But you would say, ah, stuff happens, he's a tight end, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah. he's nowhere near that. And so that, to me, is a big red flag for Zach Ertz moving forward. Um, I don't think we've talked about a quarterback yet here, have we? I mean, sort of tangentially with Deshaun Watson, but we haven't had a quarterback-specific question, so let's get to that here with Justin Herbert, lit up the Buccaneers on Sunday, 290 yards, 11.6 yards per attempt, three touchdowns for the rookie. He's now made three starts. He has not looked over his head in any of them. Of course, has made some rookie mistakes, but has definitely looked the part of a franchise quarterback through three games as much as someone can through three games. Uh, does this matter to you, Brandon? Yeah, he's looked great. Like I, I was a doubter coming in. I just thought Justin Herbert had a very high potential to be a bust. Um, yeah, you hate Oregon. That's a, I that's do. A There's some thing. of that in there. But man, I've been very impressed. I think the demeanor has been the thing I've been most impressed. He's been so calm and relaxed looking out there. Um, but then he's also just got a he's got a great arm. I mean, he can make all the throws, and he's been throwing with accuracy. And the deep balls looking good. And you're gonna get some mistakes, but man. Just the upside that he brings you compared to Tyrod Taylor, I would just I would chase that and say, you know what, our ceiling is so much higher with with Herbert, and even if it's not this year, imagine what our future can be. We get this guy up to speed this year. He's not obviously. It doesn't look like his confidence is going to be shattered by a bad game, uh, mm -hmm. and so that's what you worry about with with young quarterbacks is that their confidence takes a hit and then they have a hard time recovering. I just don't see it with him, and so. I think you just got to go all green lights all the way with Herbert the rest of the way. Sorry, Tyrod Taylor. It's tough to lose a job because of injury. But, man, this offense looks so much more – has so much more giddy up with Herbert. He just looks really good. 
I mean, they've been in every game he started, and they've lost every game he started, but, I mean, you're talking about getting thrown into the fray about half an hour before your first ever start, going up against the defending Super Bowl champions, Patrick Mahomes, and nearly coming away with a win in that game, that one going to overtime. Your third start, you're facing off with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another team that has been very good this season, and you almost have that game won too, and you lose it by a touchdown late. I mean, he has definitely kept this team in games, kept them competitive, and has looked very good doing it, and here's one big way where I say this matters in the fantasy world. I think we're going to need to see Justin Herbert string together a few more good games before we're really trusting him as a starter outside of Superflex and 2QB leagues. But let's look at what Keenan Allen has done in the three games uh, that Justin Herbert has started. 28 catches, 41 targets, 290 yards, and a touchdown. Leads the NFL in targets since Justin Herbert has taken over the first game of the season with Tyrod Taylor under center. It's just one game. I'm not saying we need to draw a sweeping conclusion from that one game, but four catches on eight targets for 37 yards. And there was always a stylistic difference and a skill set mismatch between Tyrod Taylor and Keenan Allen. That was not hard to see. And so this Justin Herbert move can be great news, I think, for Keenan Allen, especially now that Austin Eckler is going to be off the field for at least four to six weeks and perhaps even longer than that. How about one more quarterback to talk about here? I learned on Monday's episode of this show that you love Kirk Cousins. Who knew it? <laughs> I don't ever remember you saying anything about that last year or earlier this year, but hey, we learned on Monday that you are the biggest Kirk Cousins supporter there is. <laughs> so now we've got, maybe I'm overstating it a little bit. I want to ask you, though, about Kirk Cousins here. 9.3 yards per attempt in three of his four starts. We know Justin Jefferson has emerged over the last two games, and no surprise to see Justin Jefferson playing well and Adam Thielen now getting a little bit more opportunity to have some freedom when he is running his routes with Kirk Cousins being this efficient so far for Minnesota. Does that matter? Yeah, I, you know, he's back to having two really viable wide receivers. Uh, last, I mean, the, the thing about Kirk Cousins, I actually kind of do think he's uh, disrespected in fantasy a bit. I, I know his limitations. I know he's not he's kind of right down the middle for NFL reality purposes as a quarterback, but man, five straight years of 25 touchdown passes. He's always in the mid to upper 60% in, in completion percentage. And until last year when they went ridiculously run heavy and he only got 444 uh, pass attempts, you know, he had gone four straight years with over 4,000 passing yards. He's capable of leading a heavy volume pass attack and being, no worse than serviceable. And, um, you know, he has the six interceptions so far, which is not good. But I think Kirk Cousins, as we go through these bye weeks, and you're a guy, he's a fine substitution guy, a guy that you can use a few times during the year in one QB, in one QB leagues. And you better use him this week against Seattle because hasn't, there hasn't been a wrong answer <laughs> with opposing quarterbacks versus Seattle so far. So uh, I'm. You know, I have no problems with Kirk Cousins, and I, you know, we sta I stated on Monday. I think I'd rather have him in reality than Baker Mayfield. I just am not seeing it with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair stance to take. The one thing I would be concerned about with Kirk Cousins, and of course, this is expectations within reason. No one should be expecting Kirk Cousins to be a top five, seven, maybe even 10 quarterback the rest of the season. I think he can maybe push that top 10 if things really fall right for him. But as long as your expectations are within reason for him, then the one place where I would get a little concerned is that when this team gets inside the 10-yard line, it's just Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook all day. And Dalvin Cook has proven himself to be one of the best short yardage runners 
in the league. So it doesn't seem like there's going to be too many layup touchdowns for Kirk Cousins. So that's maybe a tiny drawback. But again, if your expectations are within reason, then you're thinking about him as low-end QB1. I can stream him in the right spots, a good QB2 and 2QB and Superflex leagues. I think Kirk Cousins absolutely can fill that role the rest of the season. And with what we've seen out of the receivers the last two weeks, Kirk Cousins definitely provides a nice solid foundation, a good environment for both Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson to thrive. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's get back to something I think matters in a negative way. That is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had the big game in week one, but since then, three games, 295 yards from scrimmage on 60 touches, no touchdowns. Of course, you'll take uh, about 100 yards from scrimmage every single time out, but we are now talking about someone who was you know, pushed up into the middle of first round, someone who was getting taken ahead of Dalvin Cook in certain places, taken ahead of Derrick Henry. And we're looking at, what, about four and a half yards per touch? Not per carry, four and a half yards per touch in Kansas City's offense. That should be much higher when you consider how he's being used as a receiver and no touchdowns in the last three games. I think this matters in a bad, scary way. What say you, Brandon? I think it does too. I I had him after week one. I, I came away with that telling people to sell high I he was and, and I wrote a column where I was like he was one of the two guys him and Cam Newton I think were the the two guys that kind of singled out in a mailbag that sell high on these guys and, and one of the things I had an issue with was he went 0 for 6 on on point blank carries at the goal line and some running backs will go a whole year without getting like some feature running backs will go a whole year without getting six attempts at the goal line and you can't go 0 for 6 he wasn't pushing the pile and I worried about his usage there going forward and I don't think he's ha- they've had that many opportunities at point blank range since then but he has not scored a touchdown since then and I don't think when the time comes they have the ball at the one yard line he's going to get a ton of carries because he he doesn't push that pile, but uh, volume has been carrying him a little bit. He's been a little bit like Austin Eckler in that regard. Volume sort of is carrying him, and his versatility is carrying him. And I think that'll continue. But 
Um, I don't think he's going to be a huge touchdown scorer, and he's going to have to live off making sure that he gets that extra 30-yard bump and, and four to five catches in the passing game because, uh, you know, the, the rushing yards are, are a little bit of a, of a concern given the volume. They absolutely are a concern uh, in the game against New England. And, of course, that's a tough defense. Uh, but against the Patriots on Monday night, 16 carries for 64 yards. Uh, the Ravens in week three, again, a tough defense. 20 carries for 64 yards. I mean, it just efficiency hasn't been there. And he's getting plenty of usage in the passing game. Like, neither of us are saying panic, panic, panic on Edwards Alaire. It's just the if you did end up taking him in the middle of the first round, if you're one of the people who took him over uh, those guys we talked about, or, or God forbid, uh, Alvin Kamara even. Remember when people were so worried about Kamara's contract and his back, and now look at what he's done through the first four games of the season. It looks like Edwards Hilaire has almost no opportunity of paying off that draft day price. So I would be a little bit concerned after what I've seen over the last three games. The silver lining, of course, the volume has been there, and we have no reason to think it won't be there going forward. A last point in our little game of uh, Tuesday, does this matter, is at the running back position, and it is with Joe Mixon. Brandon, we have been begging this Bengals team to let Joe Mixon get involved as a receiver. Please, Zach Taylor, get him involved as a receiver. Screw Giovanni Bernard. It feels like maybe those prayers were finally answered in week four. Ran nearly 10 times as many routes as Giovanni Bernard in week four. Got six targets. I'm going to ask you, does this matter? I think it very smashingly does. Yeah, and I think I said this on the Monday pod that you know Joe Mix has always kind of drawn comps to Le'Veon Bell for his talent, but also his versatility and his his upside in the passing game has never really come to fruition. And I, you know, I think Giovanni Bernard's one of those guys that uh, maybe you know he's he's going to do fine the passing game for you. I'm sure he's in, he's endeared himself to the coaching staff and they want to give him a role. But I always said as a coach, like. If I'm bringing Giovanni Bernard in, I'm kind of tipping my hand that I'm going to be throwing the ball. So, like when you can leave a featured back in as a as a true three down back, you never let the defense know what you're going to do or what you're likely to do. And I just think it makes more sense if you got a guy that has the talent that Joe Mixon does. So you just keep in keep him in there and let him do that. And so I don't know if this is going to be a thing that continues going forward, but I think it should be. And um, I'm excited to see that, that we, we saw this happen in week four. And I'm crossing my fingers if I'm a Joe Mixon owner that it continues. Um, but I can't say with 100% certainty that it will. We definitely can't say with 100% certainty that it will because of the games that they've played with Joe Mixon over the years. But, uh, you know, you look at the carry load is there, right? The carry mm -hmm. load is there. 19 carries, 16 carries, 17 carries, 25 carries in their four games this season. So that rock solid. They're not afraid to let Joe Burrow rip it, right? I mean, Joe Burrow is going to be among the league leaders in passing attempts almost certainly this season. So if you already have that carry load, and then you are getting those routes run for Joe Mixon, so he could give you even like four and a half targets per game the rest of the way. I think we're talking about not only a locked-in RB1, but probably you know, when you consider Saquon off the board, Christian McCaffrey off the board for at least a couple more weeks, Austin Eckler off the board, Nick Chubb off the board. I mean, maybe a top six running back the rest of the way like how many running backs would you for sure take ahead of joe mixon right now camara cook zeke aaron jones, aaron jones. josh jacobs I probably missing? has i might still take josh jacobs too um, but so but but, but that, that's like a question right the only ones i think the only slam dunk ones over mixon are those first four i said did you say henry too henry yeah henry too so you okay. got those five 
right? And I think that's probably it. So basically, we're looking at him in that like RB6-7 range for the rest of the season, so long as he's getting those targets. And that is exactly what you took Joe Mixon to do. So uh, some good news for sure uh, coming out of Cincinnati if you are invested in Joe Mixon. And hey, thanks for investing some time today in listening to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode here. We will be right back with you tomorrow. It'll be the two of us, me and Brandon, along with Jake Seedley, spinning things ahead to Week 5 to talk Week five rankings until then thank you so much for listening have a great day for brandon funston i am michael beller get back with us tomorrow and hey if you're not getting an athletic subscriber you can get in the door one dollar a month at the athletic.com slash fantasy football pod thanks for listening we'll talk to you tomorrow